Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Tortoise. Hello, it's Basha here and you're listening to the Slow Newscast from Tortoise. Now, occasionally the news is just so bombastic, it catches you by surprise. And when it is, it's easy to miss the bigger story. The details in the moment are just too compelling and the story skips on as if it's all a done deal. And this tale, the one that you're about to hear, is a perfect example of that. It's about how a young woman, aged just 30 years old, made a spectacular rise to a post that she will now hold for the rest of her life. And it's not just any post. She will sit in the second chamber of the UK Parliament and will scrutinise the government of the day on legislation and public policy. And when she was nominated for this great honour last year, many of us marvelled that she was being nominated at all by the outgoing Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. But the story of how she got there, her experience, her credentials, her work, and indeed who she really was, was missed. And so in this episode of the Slow Newscast, we're going back to the remarkable rise of Boris's Baroness, a story about an arcane process and maybe an inside joke. It's a very particular, very British story, reported by my honourable colleague, Kat Nealon. Over to Kat. From every corner of the land. From have-nots. To have-lots. In the mid-noughties, the reality TV show reigned supreme. This is the United Kingdom of Big Brother. And everyone is welcome. From competitive singing, to eating bugs, to simply enduring other people's company. Suddenly, all we wanted to see on our screens were people just like us, responding just like we would. Oh, you look unreal. Constructed reality soon followed, with stars made in Jersey... Chelsea and, of course, Essex. Junaid, we're back in Essex. Let's air some dirty laundry. Let's do it! (laughs) With TV execs looking for the next big hit, MTV zeroed in on Alderley Edge. This is where it all happened. Alderley Edge. The people here might be rich and famous, but to me, it's just the place I grew up with my friends. It's perhaps not the most obvious location, but falling inside Cheshire's Golden Triangle home to Premier League footballers, actors and millionaires, Living on the Edge had all the ingredients of a ready-made hit. It wasn't to be. But the series did catch the imagination of local teenagers who still remember worshipping the lead characters, wishing they could be that cool. And the drama of Living on the Edge. 
Of course, not everyone who was at Audley Edge School for Girls at that time was daydreaming of their 15 minutes of fame. Some wanted something a little longer lasting. One, in fact, would go on to a lifetime of power and influence. This is the mysterious story of Charlotte Owen, a girl who was in her third year at Oldley Edge School when the TV show Living on the Edge went on air, who at 18 landed an internship with the Conservative Party that would set her on a path to becoming the youngest ever life peer, who was appointed a member of the House of Lords before she was even 30. I, Charlotte, Baroness Owen of Oldley Edge, do swear by Almighty God that I will be faithful and bear true allegiance to His Majesty King Charles is heirs and successors according to law. So help me God. How on earth did that happen? Just 30, dressed to the nines and robed in ermine. The pink dress, the heels, it was very on brand. She did her best to look solemn. She's very giggly, very bubbly. But who, in fact, is Charlotte Owen? Let me tell you why I want to know. Prime Ministers get to appoint a certain number of their friends and supporters to a lifelong seat in the House of Lords. When Boris Johnson's resignation honours list was announced, there were lots of controversial names on it. It started out with about 100 names. Less than half of that made it through. Charlotte Owen's name stood out, not because of something she'd done, but because no one could name anything she had done. I wasn't the only journalist in Westminster who had never heard of her. Most of us drew a blank. So I started looking into her story, Pretty soon, it didn't tally. First, I found she'd claimed on LinkedIn to have been a special advisor for longer than she actually had been. Then it turned out the internship she claimed to have in former Chancellor George Osborne's constituency office hadn't happened quite as she said it did. And then stories started to swirl about why Boris Johnson had landed her a seat in the Lords. Some of the stories were crazy and plain wrong. She has a similar surname as his first wife. Perhaps she was his illegitimate daughter. No, not true. Then, given Boris Johnson's busy romantic history, there are scurrilous tales of trysts. No evidence of that either. The real mystery, as I said, wasn't what she'd done. It was that she hadn't seemed to have done much at all. She'd been a part-time special advisor in the corridors of Number 10, where other spads had done much more to shape both Boris Johnson's government and the country. Was her appointment a whim? A parting shot from Boris Johnson? Or one of his die-hard loyalists? A little thank you present for showing up when others deserted him. Or, to use the technical Westminster term, a fuck you to the rest of us. A name to put on the list for a laugh. Or simply because they can. And if so, what does it say about the hierarchy of power, influence and status that is the House of Lords? The dressing up, the titles and the coats of arms, the bows and curtsies, the gongs for friends, the secretive system of appointments. A system that looks silly to us mere commoners. Could it be as much of a joke to people on the inside? Perhaps, to be candid with you, getting on the trail of Charlotte Owen is also just a matter of curiosity. Because, you see, she's more or less taken a vow of silence since she was put up for a peerage. The number you have called is not recognised. Please check the number. Good morning, Lord Thompson. Service, how can I help? Oh, hi. Are you able to connect me with Baroness Owen, please? So is that O-W-E-N? Oh, hello. Is that uh, the office of Esther McVeigh? It is, yeah. Oh, hi. My name's Catherine Nealon. I'm a reporter from Tortoise Media. We're just here doing... 
politician who has become a kind of recluse. She doesn't speak. Even those who once spoke for her now don't. The whole thing is weird. As you may have gathered by now, I'm Kat Nealon, and I'm Tortoise's political editor. Because we're a slow newsroom, we don't need to chase every breaking story. But sometimes, stories come along that tell you so much about how Britain actually works that it's worth trying to figure out what just happened. This feels like one of those. So in this week's slow newscast, I'm trying to answer what should be a simple question, but isn't. Who is Charlotte Owen? Bouncy West Coast service to Manchester, ready for departure, calling point, Stafford Crew, Wilmslow, Stockport. So it's a sunny-ish Wednesday morning in August. We are on the train to Wilmslow, not far from Alderley Edge, which has recently acquired a baroness. It's a small village, fewer than 5,000 people live there. So we are going to see what it was like, where Charlotte Owen grew up, whether the locals remember her, and what they're hoping to see from their new representative in the House of Lords. There is a lot we don't know about our newest, youngest baroness. And that vacuum has been filled by some rather distasteful and frankly bizarre conspiracy theories. So let's start with one thing we can say categorically. Charlotte Catherine Tranter Owen was born in Withenshaw Hospital on the 10th of May 1993. Her father, Michael Tranter Owen, is listed on her birth certificate as a financial consultant. Her mother, Catherine Lavinia Owen, was a secretary. I went to Charlotte's Christie and uh, they're from a lovely family. Um, you know, her father was, uh, uh, he was one of these guys of uh, great integrity, ex-bank manager, and if you wanted advice, he was the go-to person. According to family friend Michael May, Charlotte's parents had met many years previously when they both worked at a bank. So, so yeah, I would have said they're a very fairly typical English middle-class family. And, and Catherine, of course, like myself, um, she was brought up in council estate. She worked in the bank, and that's where she met Michael. Charlotte has a brother and a sister who are several years older than her. He runs a painting and decorating firm. She is a lawyer. Their parents are said to have been somewhat active on the Conservative Party scene. Her father died a couple of years ago. Her mother has recently retired. But nothing really makes this family stand out. I think it, personally, I think it's terrific to have a young person yeah. go into the second chamber and, and there's all sorts of things about... Yeah. Edge, where she grew up, is a small village in Cheshire. It's essentially a single high street with a rickety train station, a Waitrose, a Costa Coffee, a village cafe, the botanist bar and restaurant, a sports shop called The Running Bear, the Style Lounge, a traditional bakery, some charity shops and a sprinkling of estate agents. In just a couple of hours, we saw a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, a G-Wagon beloved of influencers like the Kardashians and plenty of Range Rovers. Residents bemoan the lack of parking spaces, while police are sometimes forced to move on crowds of supercar spotters who gather to catch a glimpse of their favourite vehicles. There are also plenty of expensive houses, much loved by some of the local footballers, including, at one point, David Beckham and his wife, Victoria. Charlotte, as it happens, is said to be a big Spice Girls fan. We didn't spot any celebrity footballers or pop stars on our recent visit. We were looking for a celebrity of a different kind. But the Baroness of Oldley Edge is herself something of a secret. We're doing a piece about 
Charlotte Owen. Um, I don't know if that name rings a bell. No. Okay, well, she's from Audley Edge um, and she's just been made a baroness. Um, okay. How long have you worked here? 11 years, but uh, no, I still don't know. No, do you get many of the... Charlotte Owen, I don't know if that name rings a bell. Is she the lady who did the book? No, she is from Audley Edge and she's just become a baroness. Right. Uh, at the age of 30. Right, very young. Yeah. On the outskirts of the village is Audley Edge School for Girls, the independent, fee-paying school that Charlotte attended. It's here that she developed a close-knit group of friends, a friendship group one former student described as super intelligent. Some of them went on to be account managers, solicitors and project leaders, and she still sees them regularly for drinks, dinner and a recent trip to Mauritius. It's also here, one friend says, that Charlotte learnt the flute and became house captain. And it's here she first started to show an interest in politics. She, she wanted a career, I think, in politics, and she, and she shot up, but she's a very nice... The £5,000-a-term school, motto, aspire to be more, is very well regarded locally. Residents describe the students as confident, articulate and polite. Some volunteer in the local charity shops. Others scour them, searching for vintage designer labels. We tried to speak to the current head teacher to see if she could remember what kind of student Charlotte was, but we didn't have much luck. Well, it's the school holidays. I don't know Charlotte Owen at all. Okay. So sorry. Is anyone else here who might be able to speak <laughs> to us? literally myself, a couple of cleaners, and the maintenance team. Okay. Um, all right, oh, lovely. Sorry, Thanks ever so much. No, no, don't worry. Thank you. It was something we found to be a bit of a pattern. During the course of reporting this podcast, as well as her old school, we've approached multiple lecturers at the University of York former classmates and university friends, every MP she's ever worked for, Portland Communications, the only other employer she cites, the House of Lords, CCHQ, the Cabinet Office, Number 10, and of course, Charlotte herself. Thank you for calling the Houses of Parliament switchboard. Good morning, Lord Thompson, Sarah, how can I help? Oh, hi. Um, are you able to connect me with Baroness Owen, please? Baroness Owen, yes, only one moment. So is that O-W-E-N? Yes. I haven't got a direct number for her, unfortunately. Only the generic email, I'm afraid. I mean, I can send a printed message. I can do that. Yeah, that would be great, if that's OK. OK, I'll send it for it. OK, thanks very much. OK, going to try CCHQ now. Well, no-one in CCHQ seems to be answering. I'll send them an email. We sent Charlotte a right of reply a few days ago and she hasn't responded yet. Um, her spokesman is no longer working on her behalf. So we have a number that uh, we've been given from when she was a special advisor. So let's try that. The number you have called is not recognised. Please check the number if you need. So that's that then. No way of getting hold of her. We didn't get very far through the front entrance, but some people were willing to speak off record. That's pretty extraordinary, I think, that instead of celebrating her rapid rise to the House of Lords, no one would talk openly about how she got there. Eventually, we did hear from an intermediary on behalf of Charlotte to clarify some minor points raised during our reporting, but she didn't speak to us directly. However, a friend said, 
All I know from last year is she worked extremely hard at the toughest coalface, relations between Number 10 and the party, and everyone from whichever wing or group liked and trusted her. Quite a thing. In response to questions about her lack of public presence and what kind of lawmaker she was likely to be, he added, We'll all find out over time. Unlike most, she knows the party inside out, is hugely aware and sensitive of the various issues that preoccupy different groups, handles everyone with tact and diplomacy, building bridges, helping ensure that concerns are addressed. There isn't a job description in the Guardian media pages for what she did, but it was hugely important. When our girls leave us, they depart as confident and impressive young women. Boasts the website for Oldley Edge School for Girls. Ready to fulfil their potential and make their mark. Charlotte Owen left school in 2011, with three A-levels and two AS levels. Although she appears with her friends, all of them looking happy, perhaps a little relieved, in the local newspaper's report, the future Baroness was not singled out as one of the year's high achievers. Still... According to her LinkedIn profile, she had managed, aged 18, to wangle an internship at the Tatton constituency office of one George Osborne, then Chancellor of the Exchequer, and the second most powerful person in the country. A year later, her profile states that she returned to his office. How did she do it? Hello? Oh, hello. Is that uh, the office of Esther McVeigh? It is, yeah. Oh, hi. My name's Catherine Nealon. I'm a reporter from Tortoise Media. We're just here doing a piece about Charlotte Owen. And uh, we know that she interned here um, a few years back, obviously before Esther was was MP. Um, We just wanted to talk to some people to see whether anyone remembered her. Just bear with me a second. If you have an immediate inquiry, which it obviously is, can you email it in, please? Well, we're just outside now. Is there no one available to just have a quick no, chat? No, there isn't. I'm sorry. All right. Okay, You're thank welcome you. to email it and you'll find me address on Esther's page. Okay, lovely. Thank okay. you. Bye. No one from the Tatton Conservative Party constituency office got back to our email. However, people who were there at the time have told Tortoise her role was not quite as her LinkedIn profile suggested. Instead, they say Charlotte was a member of the local party association. She was also part of Conservative Future through which she made friends and contacts that would help propel her later career. Another source told us she didn't work directly with George Osborne. They recalled her excitement because the former Chancellor was present at something that Charlotte also attended, but there was little interaction beyond that. I can see why they might not have records of it. It was more who she knew in her constituency. Her parents are quite big into the Conservative Party. A third source is even more emphatic. She can't have worked for George Osborne, he says, because Osborne didn't take any internships at his office. Exactly what she did or didn't do remains unknown. The mystery deepens. And, it turns out, this isn't the only instance of that well-known phenomenon, CV inflation. After taking a year out, Charlotte started a degree in politics and international relations at the University of York in 2012. Her first year was spent at Derwent College, which boasts splendid views of Heslington Hall, a grade two listed manor house and once the home of Baron Derrimore. The campus has a lake and carefully manicured trees, 
and the Student Union boasts competitive prices for drinks and snacks, as this tour of the halls from 2010 shows. Um, and then we'll move into the brand spanking new Derwent Bar, just been refurbished this summer. It's got across the coffee, comfy seating. Um, Derwent's one of the most sociable colleges already, and with this as well, it can only help it um, get even more sociable and improve our college spirit. What kind of life did the future Baroness lead in York? Well, that's a bit of a mystery too. Friends only remember that she was fairly quiet. Having grown up in a village, she appeared to some uni friends to have led a very sheltered life. She had a large social network, and like hundreds of thousands of students across the country, she would enjoy herself most nights of the week, drinking cocktails at one of the city's many nightclubs like Cuda and Revolution or Revs. She wasn't a Beanock, a big name on campus, and this future national figure doesn't seem to have left a lasting impression. Unlike many of her peers, she seems to have supported the austerity measures that George Osborne was implementing. But friends told Tortoise they recall her only speaking up in lectures once or twice. I don't actually think she was that into real politics, if that makes sense. I think, you know, when she was sort of challenged on some of her views, she found it quite difficult to back some of them up sometimes. She was definitely a fan of the Tory party, is probably the way I would describe it, rather than actually really being engaged with the issues, if I'm being completely honest. Another friend has a similar take. She was very Tory, but I wasn't sure she knew why. She was culturally Tory. I want to be fair, because not many of us had fully-fledged political opinions at the time, but I wouldn't say her political beliefs were that strong. It was more, this is what I think, because I was brought up to think that. As they recall it, Charlotte wasn't particularly into student politics, but she was a member of the Young Conservatives. And although she wasn't particularly active on campus, she attended the Conservative Party conference as a student, mixing with ministers and rising stars in the party. But, say her friends, she was less interested in policy debates than networking. She can play to the upper echelons of the Tory party leadership very well and has been doing so since she was at least 18. It was here, friends say, that she met her boyfriend of that time, James Stanbury, whose father, Steve Stanbury, would go on to run as the UKIP candidate for the Forest of Dean in 2015, Charlotte's last year at university. Not much remains in the public domain from Stanbury's campaign, although this clip from BBC Points West gives a little taste of his candidacy. One of my hobbies is actually designing board games, and in particular military strategy board games. I suppose that probably is a little bit geekish, uh, is a little bit of a geek niche, but feet very, very firmly rooted on the ground. Uh, no, no delusions of uh, world conquest, no, obviously not. The trail goes cold here. What we do know is that during that election year, Charlotte spent a large chunk of her third year away from York. She was doing things around the country with her boyfriend at the time. Another friend recalls Charlotte's excitement after attending a barbecue with then UKIP leader Nigel Farage. Steve Stanbury, who describes himself as Atlanticist, conservative, libertarian supporter of British independence on Twitter, did not respond to our requests for comment. But there is a connection between Stanbury and Baroness Foster, who we know Charlotte Owen interned for in June 2015. They know each other, although Foster insisted no one determined who came to work in my office but me. Foster was the Conservative MEP for the North West, making her Charlotte's representative in the European Parliament, and this month-long stint took the future Baroness to Brussels. Foster told us, 
Charlotte applied off her own bat as a number of others had. She also told us that she had met Charlotte over the years as an MEP and as a parliamentary candidate and activist. Back in York later that year, Charlotte graduated with a 2-1. Graduates, guests and colleagues, I'm delighted to welcome you all to your graduation celebration ceremony. Her CV goes a little quiet again at this point. She did another internship, this time at PR consultancy Portland Communications. Here, surely we would find out more. But no. We received limited responses to our questions, and those we did speak to couldn't remember her. In any case, Charlotte appears to have quickly cooled on life as a PR flack. Instead, she emailed Tatton's neighbouring constituency, Hazel Grove, to see if she could intern for the Conservative MP, William Bragg. Rag declined to speak to Tortoise, but confirmed that the future Baroness had indeed worked for him and that she was pleasant, polite and professional. So, whatever happened in Tatton, Charlotte does appear to have volunteered in Hazel Grove. But what exactly does a constituency intern do? It depends how well-resourced the office is. They might answer the phone, stuff envelopes or help on less sensitive casework and simple policy suggestions. As one source told me... It does seem rather menial, but there's more to it than making cups of tea. Tea making or not, this three-week stint in Hazel Grove put her on the path to greater things. Just a few months later, armed with glowing references from a clutch of recognisable names, she landed an internship with another MP, the Right Honourable Boris Johnson. She was always a Boris Johnson fan. The whole persona that Boris Johnson has is very in line with the kind of people Charlotte enjoys being around. Very posh, a bit all over the place. It plays to her humour. At this time, Johnson was Foreign Secretary, taking him to far-flung places around the world. But clearly Charlotte must have made a lasting impact. After a short interlude working for another minister, Alok Sharma, she was back with Johnson in a split role working 50-50 for him and former minister Jake Berry. Neither Sharma nor Berry wanted to talk about her. This time, Johnson was on the back benches, but not for long. By December 2019, he was Prime Minister and had led the Conservatives to an electoral triumph. Good afternoon. This, this morning I, I went to Buckingham Palace and I am forming a new government. And on Monday, MPs will arrive... And Charlotte had become his senior parliamentary assistant. One year later, she rose again, this time to her most senior role, special advisor to the Prime Minister. Or did she? To pinch a phrase, it seems that recollections may vary. Charlotte Owen's LinkedIn profile states that she worked as a special advisor to the former Prime Minister from February 2021 until October 2022. But her name is not among those listed as working in number 10 in the annual report on special advisers, published by the Cabinet Office in June 2021. Her name does appear in the same report for the following year as splitting her time 50-50 between the Prime Minister and the then Chief Whip, Chris Heaton-Harris. And several former number 10 insiders told Tortoise they found her public profile mystifying. One said, It is not what she says on her LinkedIn. She never worked in the policy unit. She was promoted very heavily by Nigel Adams, but there were dozens of people more senior than her. She was, they added, extraordinarily junior. And here's what another insider told us. She joined in March 2022. She never worked in the policy unit. At the very least, there is an inconsistency in what she's saying. She wasn't even the most important person in the political office. 
That's the odd part. And a fellow special advisor from that era said, "We met at a reception once, and I remember being surprised that I hadn't heard of her before, given she said she'd been working in Number Ten. If you'd been around Westminster a few years, you'd normally have a pretty good chance of at least knowing of even the less social people in quiet roles. Partly as it's a small world, and they'd typically have done notable roles building up to that within CCHQ or think tanks." While she remained a mystery to people working in Number Ten, Charlotte's role did raise her profile among backbench MPs. One Tory MP told us, "It was her job and responsibility to be a conduit and liaison with the parliamentary party, which had previously been lacking. She was able to spend the time to make sure people were being heard." Charlotte's role now was to lead Boris Johnson's parliamentary outreach work. In other words, it was her job to make sure things that MPs were obsessing over, constituency issues in the main, were seen by the Prime Minister. That is also borne out by Conservative MP Sir James Dudridge, one of Boris Johnson's closest allies, and at one point his private parliamentary secretary. Sir James declined to speak to us, saying it was old news, but he told the BBC whether she was a special adviser, a researcher, you know, the job titles don't really. Matter. She really was quite vital to the the number ten operation.、Uh, she linked the prime minister with the whole of the parliamentary party. She would arrange meetings, feed in information、um, for Boris just to have a quick, you know, twenty seconds before going into a meeting、uh, to understand what that meeting was going to be about, what the MP、uh, would would need out of that meeting with him, and then. The Prime Minister needed a different kind of outreach. Within the last hour, it's been confirmed that the Prime Minister Boris Johnson will face a vote of confidence in his leadership of the Conservative Party. The vote in favour、uh, of having confidence in Boris Johnson as leader was 211 votes, and the vote against was 148 votes. And therefore, I can announce that the Parliamentary Party does have confidence. Good evening from the Downing Street in Meltdown. In the last hour, two senior cabinet ministers have resigned. First, the health secretary, followed swiftly by the Chancellor of the Exchequer. They did so minutes after. The... At this point, she was helping to keep track of who in the parliamentary party was still supporting Boris Johnson, and that would have been no small challenge. We thought we'd reached the final straw before we have reached it now. Nadim Zahawi, Chancellor for 24 hours. Has now written to the Prime Minister and told him to go. This is the letter. After all the chaos, Boris Johnson stood on the steps of Downing Street to finally, begrudgingly, admit defeat. I know that there will be many people who are relieved. Some of his supporters cried. Some swore. Some looked grimly on. But as the country awaited the Prime Minister's final coup de grace, and I want you to know how sad I am. To be giving up the best job in the world, but them's the breaks. Some of Charlotte Owen's old friends sat up and took notice, because standing in the front row, there she is, taking a quick snap of the gathering journalists, glancing at her phone from time to time. In an age where every new rung on the career ladder is celebrated on social media or WhatsApp groups, many of her acquaintances had no idea she was working for the Prime Minister, and yet. There she was, one of the first to gather outside Downing Street, dressed appropriately in black and towering above fellow advisers and loyal MPs like Joy Morrissey, Sir James Dudridge, and Andrew Griffith. I did see her on TV a couple times, 
She just kind of popped up on the screen after Boris Johnson's resignation, so I knew she'd kind of been working in that space, but it was a surprise to see her outside number 10, to be honest. And the biggest surprise was yet to come. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. How do you solve a crime in reverse when you believe that someone was murdered but have no clue who the victim was? We have to do our job, and we have to find out who did they kill, if it's possible. How are we going to do that? I'm Jake Halpern, and this is Deep Cover, The Nameless Man. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. After Boris Johnson had left, Charlotte didn't last long at number 10. Sources told Tortoise that Liz Truss's team was urged by some of Charlotte's MP friends to keep her on, but did not consider the future Baroness a particularly strong asset. Charlotte seems to have attended Conservative Party conference again that year, being seen with other Johnson loyalists, such as Nigel Adams and then-party chairman Jake Berry. She was out of work, but she didn't have to go job hunting for long. Seven appointments to the House of Lords, including failed London mayoral candidate Sean Bailey, who was photographed at a party breaking COVID restrictions in 2020, his former political director and current spokesperson Ross Kempsell, and Charlotte Owen, a former advisor to Mr. Johnson, still in her 20s. She will now become one of the youngest life peers ever. Excluding internships, Charlotte Owen has almost six years of work experience. She's gone from a constituency intern to become Lady Owen, Baroness of Oldley Edge, in less than seven. Charlotte loved the pomp and ceremony. She always joked, I don't know what I want to do, I just want to be a lady. Her thing had been that she wanted to marry a lord. And this thrilling ascent to a post that she can hold for the rest of her life has been achieved without the least public scrutiny. The questions Tortoise had about Charlotte Owen's peerage, about her suitability for the role, her interests, what made her stand out above others at such a young age, are also being asked by some of her friends and former colleagues. But they are finding answers as hard to come by as we did. Many of those we spoke to emphasised that she was considerate and polite and kind. But they also noted that she was a bit naive, perhaps because she came from a sheltered background. So in terms of life experience, she was on the lower end of that spectrum. She didn't have a part-time job when she was at uni. I don't think she'd ever had a job when I met her. There was the Brussels thing, but she didn't do anything else sort of part-time or anything. People who know her have pointed out that it's not so much her age that makes the appointment to the House of Lords perplexing. Indeed, she's only a year younger than another of Johnson's appointees, Ross Kempsell, who was his spokesman. They're taking up the seats of good people. They're going to be sitting in Nigel Lawson's old seat and thinking, let's really scrutinise the shit out of the budget. Sure. But her lack of experience outside education and the few short years she spent working for a clutch of MPs, including the one who was able to install her in the House of Lords without any checks and balances, has made even those who stress that Charlotte is a nice person scratch their heads in wonder. 
As one of Charlotte's friends said, it's about the appointment, not the person. Although I think in this case, the person encapsulates the problems with the system. She is not alone. Big questions are being asked about the suitability of others who joined the House of Lords alongside her. Ben Houchin, the Mayor of Tees Valley, is now Lord Houchin of High Leven. The South Tees Development Corporation, which he chairs, is currently under investigation following allegations of corruption, illegality and wrongdoing. Houchin has denied the allegations. Failed mayoral candidate Sean Bailey became Baron Bailey of Paddington during a live police investigation into whether he had breached lockdown rules by attending a Christmas party at CCHQ after a video emerged showing attendees drunkenly dancing. Bailey has said that he apologises unreservedly for the event, saying it turned into something after I left, but that the buck stops with me. Dan Rosenfield, Johnson's one-time chief of staff, has become Baron Rosenfield after bullying allegations, which he denies, were not investigated. Instead, as Tortoise has previously reported, he was given the details of the people who raised the complaint. As for Charlotte, there's scuttlebutt, but it's all sexist, cruel and without evidence. Then there's the most likely explanation. Her name was on the original list of 100 people for peerages and knighthoods put forward by Boris Johnson. She was there as a nod to her loyalty for sticking with him through the ugly final weeks. And also, it tickled him to appoint someone so young. He knew it would cause a stir, and he liked it all the more for that. Then, when so many of the others on Boris's list got knocked off, Nadine Dorries, Nigel Adams, Alok Sharma, she survived. The propriety and ethics team in the Cabinet Office had problems with plenty of people on his list, but they could hardly complain about her. She had little experience, to be sure, but for the same reason, nothing to blot her copybook. The new peers may prove able legislators, contributing to public life for many years to come. Or, like many others, they may take the title and the honour, parlay it into valuable directorships and consultancies, and disappear from view. So far, the baby of the House of Lords, Baroness Owen, aged just 30, has given little indication of the kind of public servant she will become. To be frank, we know more about the political views of Love Island contestants. What do you think about Brexit? What, what's that? Like, Where well, we're leaving the European Union. I, don't, I, I seriously don't have so a So, like, if you, so it's to, it was to leave the EU, so we wouldn't um, be part of Europe. EU, yeah, which would yeah. mean, like, so it'd be harder to go on holidays. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I love my holidays. Yeah. But unlike the fleeting fame enjoyed by stars of all those reality TV shows, these peerages will last a lifetime. The public will never get the chance to vote her out. And if she continues to swerve the spotlight, she will forever remain a bit of a mystery. But sooner or later, she'll surely emerge. She's not living on the edge. She's at the heart of things now. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Slow Newscast. It was written and reported by me, Kat Nealon. The producer was Imi Harper. Sound designed by Hannah Varrell. The executive editors were Jasper Corbett and Keith Blackmore. If you like what we do and enjoy our podcasts, then please do leave us a review and follow us wherever you listen. Tortoise. 
How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Does what's going on in the American election scare and bemuse you in equal measure? Want to know what Biden and Trump are up to without tearing your hair out? Then you need to listen to American Friction, the brand new podcast about the countdown to the big vote in November from the makers of Oh God, What Now?, The Bunker and Paper Cuts. Every Friday, we'll speak to leading experts and blockbuster commentators from the United States to explain the latest news and the big issues behind the vote. That's American Friction with me, Jacob Jarvis. Me, Chris Jones. And me, Nikki McCann Ramirez. Out every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.